So when I was 14, I became a vegetarian. Um, people ask me, I was, you know, it's like, oh, so how, why did you become a vegetarian? And there's not really a good reason, because if you've ever asked a 14-year-old boy why they do anything, um, it's not really, just no offense, I was one, one day. Um, but we were living in Australia at the time. My father was on the sabbatical from his job and living in Newcastle, Australia. And we had gone to a steakhouse, which was not a normal occurrence. It was like, it was a big deal. It was like, okay, you know, they had um, saved up a little bit. They were going to celebrate. And went there and just went around and ordered, everyone ordered their food. And then I was like, I think I'll have a veggie loaf. And that was it. And then I was going to share it from the dawn. <laughs> that, was, that was the extent of it. And I was a person who, a year before, had ordered, um, oh, what's, what's the steak with the bacon wrapped around it? Filet mignon, yes. So I had gone with my grandparents to a burger place and ordered the filet mignon because it was the most expensive thing on the menu. I was not a person who didn't appreciate good meat when I could have it. Um, but I just, I just decided, and I was stubborn and stuck with it. Um, and so now, I, I mean, I'm not, I'll, if, if I go out to dinner with people and they don't know and they offer me something, I'll, I'll, I'll take it and I'll eat it. Most of the time, it just doesn't taste very good to me. And so I remember one year for Lent, I had a Lenten discipline of eating meat once a week. And it was, um, it was hard. It was a lot harder than I thought it would be. And I started off by eating just like a little piece of bacon. But a lot of it was that it just didn't taste good. And I remember having a hamburger and um, I was with other people and I was going to have a bite. And like, do you think this is a good hamburger? They said, yes. And I took a bite and it honestly just tasted like bad tofu. And I was like, oh, what is this? Ah. Um, the reason is that my body stopped producing the enzymes necessary to break down meat. And so after a while, like once, this is one of the reasons, if you change your diet dramatically, after a while, it's kind of hard to go back to what were you doing. If you cut out dairy for a year or two, and then you try and have some ice cream, you're going to have a reaction to it because your body doesn't remember how to break down the molecules of the food. And I think this is, this is really important because a lot of times we need to know what we can handle in our bodies. If, if you think that you can handle anything, then it's, you're going to have something bad. And when I, when I eat meat, if I eat, if I eat too much, I get really nauseous and sick. And my body's like, get this out of here. Um, and I think about that with happiness. <laughs> And my friends, we're continuing our series on happiness, on what it is, on looking at this word makarios in the gospel, this Greek word that is often translated as blessed or, or joyously happy or happy. And too often in English, happy kind of seems like a light thing. It seems like a on the surface thing. Oh yeah, I'm happy. I'm fine. Um, the kind of thing you say to get people to stop asking questions about how you were doing. Um, not a deep, serious Thing. But that's what, that's what God is offering and says that is here. For each of us, happiness for each of us, blessedness, joy, a depth. It doesn't matter where you are in your life that is offered to you. Yet so often in this broken world, in this world of disease, of destruction, of broken relationships and, and broken marriages and families, how can we say that God offers happiness to us? Well, one thing. I think it's important to start out with is thinking about what doesn't make you happy. And too often we don't ask that question. We think about, okay, these are the things I like. These are the things I do with my time. These are the kind of shows I like to watch, the kind of movies I like. This is the kind of I like to play golf or I don't like to play golf. But what doesn't make you happy and how do we learn from that? And I think this is what is going on with this passage from Matthew 5, what Jesus is 
is kind of getting to. And so we have these, these four antitheses, these four things that are, you, you have heard it said this, but it's actually this. And so that's what, by antithesis, is going on. It starts off with, with murder, with adultery, with divorce, with perjury. And it goes from this kind of narrow definition. You've heard that it said, you shall not kill. And then Jesus expands it, like, really wide. It's like, now, don't be rude to people is also murder. It's like, whoa. <laughs> I don't know. Like, can I just not kill people? Can I go back to that? Because that person was rude to me, and I kind of want to be rude to them, Jesus. Um, ad- adultery, the same thing. We have this very narrow thing. As long as I don't do that, I'm an okay person. Or, or divorce, as long as I don't do that, perjury, as long as I don't do that, I'm an okay person. And Jesus, Jesus expands this, that the real issue with these sins is the broken relationships around them, that each of them marks a deeply broken relationship. And if we are breaking the relationships in our lives without doing these explicit things, it's still not good. It's still bad. It's still going to lead to destruction, destruction of community, to self-destruction, to all of these negative things. We need to learn what are the things that don't make us happy. That you don't take, there's not real joy in tearing people down and tearing people apart and these kinds of things. That does not come from God. And we need to learn in those ways. But we also need to know that we start from where we are. (coughs) And this is is so super important about faith and about really anything. You know, um, you, you can't give pizza to a newborn baby. A lot of kids like pizza, but they're not gonna, they'll probably put it in their mouth. Like, you know, babies put stuff in their mouths, but it's not gonna be good for them. In that kind of way, you need to know what to give a person when it's ready for them. A newborn needs milk. This is good. A formula or breast milk, like they, they need it to, to live. Many times, it can seem for people who are not newborns that, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm this age or I've lived this much in life. I should need this to live. But that kind of, or it's like, you know, that person next to me is doing this. I should do that. The kind of comparison that as well gets to this, like, breaking relationships. In John 3, early in the Gospel of John, Jesus, it says Jesus is at night. I often imagine Jesus at this campfire outside of Jerusalem. And he's just sitting there chilling with his buddies. And then this Pharisee named Nicodemus comes in. And Nicodemus comes in and he's like, he comes by night. And so it's important that he comes by night, that he doesn't want to be seen. There weren't like street lamps in ancient Israel that people could see like, oh, look, there's Nicodemus walking by. But it was like, oh, this random hooded dude. That's normal. There was a lot of hooded dudes around. Um, and he comes to Jesus and he asks a question, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, you must be born anew. And then Nicodemus asks the obvious question that we all should ask at some point. It's like, born again? Like, does that mean I have to go back into my mother's belly? Um, and Jesus is like, no, you don't, you don't get it. Like, that's, that's not a good question, but we're missing, missing the point. You must be born of the Spirit. Now, this is often, born again is often used as this description of an experience, like the whole like, evangelical movement, the, the Jesus movement of the 70s emerging out of Godspell, like all of these, is like the experience of, of being born again. But one of the things about being born again means that you are an infant and you are in need. You are needy. <laughs> to be born again means you don't know all the things that are going on. And that you admit that. To be born of the Spirit is to admit that I don't have all the answers, that I cannot save myself, that I have needs that cannot be satisfied by myself. 
and to admit that maybe I need some spiritual milk right now and I'm not ready for the solid food. Maybe I need to start in a different place in order to be happy. Last week, I talked about one of the biggest issues with the, like happiness in general in the scriptures and in life is the difference between our expectations and the realization. If we expect amazing things to happen, we're going to be disappointed. And not that we need to expect horrible things to happen, but there needs to be some kind of connection and relationship of our expectations and what can happen. If I expect, you know, if I expect to, to go home and have a, a wonderful, like a steak dinner and not get nauseous, I'm going to be disappointed in myself. I need to know myself and think, okay, Wilson, that would not be a good decision to have a giant steak because your body will, will spit it out in different ways. Um, but we need, we, need, we need habits in order to grow to where we are. And the habits, the habits start with where we are, with looking at ourselves and saying, oh Lord, where am I in my faith? And if, it's, if you're at a place in your faith where you don't even have faith, where you're like, I don't even, I don't even know if I believe anymore. I, I don't even know if I've ever believed. It's so important to admit those questions. To not look at some of, well, you know, this person, they say it, or my spouse, you know, talks about her faith. She must believe. I, I want to be, you know, do that. And not, not to compare ourselves in ways that break us apart. Because again, looking to Matthew 5, we see all of those sins are, are broken relationships. And many ways we can get into a rut in thinking, oh, that person's had that powerful experience of God. Why not me? What's wrong with me? Or thinking that person is really good at prayer. I don't know if I can do that. Why not me? Instead of, instead of being grateful for what we have received and think, thank God that I am in a place where all I need right now is some milk. That I am, I'm broken. I am tired. I'm hurting. I don't know what to do in this world. I just need, I don't need a feast. I don't need the giant table full of wonderful marrow and vegetables described in Isaiah 25. I just need a glass of milk. I just need a glass of water, God. I am tired and thirsty and then I need to be nursed back to health before I can take a step forward. And then to remember to look around that we are not alone in this world and there's probably people close to us in our lives who are in that place. Who are in that place of, I, I can't handle a feast. I can't handle the whole shebang. I just need a glass of milk. Spiritual milk, lactose-free spiritual milk. <laughs> to, to get me, to feed me, to help me take a step. Now, God can work in amazing ways. God can work in this miraculous way that one day you can go from here to there and take you from a person who didn't believe to a person who gives up everything to follow Jesus. But most of the time, God works in steps and in journeys, just like, just like a baby being born again. You know, one of the great things about parenting is a, a toddler does not emerge out of birth. And so you don't have to chase someone right away. Yeah. <laughs> so ba- babies, babies kind of grow as you grow as a parent. It's like, oh my gosh, how can I handle this? And then you get just to the point where you can handle it. And then there's a new stage. Like, oh my gosh, how can I handle this? Um, but we need to understand that's often with faith is that we get to a point that, okay, okay, I can handle the milk. I can handle the milk. But maybe, maybe working with God, doing these steps, what John Wesley calls the means of grace, the works of mercy, the works of piety, by, by praying, by, by worshiping together, by reading the scriptures, by serving our neighbors. I have, I've shared this story before, but a few years ago, I was a youth director at a previous appointment, and I would go to midwinter, and I really enjoyed the midwinters um, and just the experience, because it's like there was teens, and they were just being so transparent, because they were just away from home, and like away from home, teenagers are just so much more lucid, like their parents are 
three hours away, so they're just like telling everything. It's great. Um, and, and I had this conversation with a guy who was a senior in high school, and he was sharing with me that he'd been to Midwinter since he was a seventh in seventh grade. And he he just had so many wonderful, powerful experiences. He'd he'd come to faith at this at this camp. He'd he'd done all these things, but this year something was different. It just didn't feel the same. He wasn't getting as much out of it. And I remember talking to him and telling, you know, maybe that's God telling you that you need to start putting something back in. Maybe you need to start stepping up and serving and offering to another. And that's what that's what the solid food of faith is. That's the solid food that Paul is talking about. It's not that suddenly you like read, instead of reading one verse a day, you read 10 verses a day. It's suddenly you start looking around and feeding the people around you and serving our neighbor. That is the solid food that God offers to us and taking a step forward. That is, and maybe, so maybe you're in a space where you need the milk and maybe you're in a space where you need some solid food, where you need to step up and offer yourself in service to others, in service in the church, in service in your neighborhood, in service in your community. By being a part of the body of Christ, any place you step up, you are representing Jesus in that place. I would love for everyone to step up and volunteer to do all the things of the church and make my life easier, but that's not what it's about. It's about like how can we serve our neighbor where we are and point to Jesus in that. And again, it begins by looking inward. Am I, am I just in need of milk today or am I ready for something more? And if we don't have the humility to claim where we are, we're never going to get to where God has for us. And if we stay with the presumption that often, often happens in the church, the presumption that, oh, I'm, I'm fine, I'm there, you know, I've been, a Christ, I've, I've been a Christian for, I've been at this church for 26 years, I have it all figured out. We're never going to be ready for what God offers for us, not to throw Patty under the bus, but, <laughs> yeah, and like getting, being able and willing to do that, we need to know where we are to know where we're going. To remember what, what Paul says at the end of that passage from 1 Corinthians 3, that, that God is in the planting, God is in the watering, God is in the reaping. That God is in every step we take. Whether or not, whether or not we feel like we are, we are serving our all or whether or not we feel like we're in a place of desperation and need of just a glass of milk, a glass of water, God is with us fully. And we can be grateful for that. We can take joy with that, that you are not alone. And part of being a church, part of being the body of Christ is that we are not these isolated atoms bouncing against each other. We have this amazing resource of each other, of people who by God and I hope will be able to say to each other, how is it with your soul? How is it with your soul? And have the vulnerability and the transparency to respond, you know, today, I don't know. Yesterday, I was doing all right, but today, I don't know. And I don't know what it is. Can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? I need, I need a little spiritual milk today. As well, to be able to say, you know what? God is doing amazing things in my life. Maybe I need to respond. Maybe I need to step forward. Maybe I will receive the joy God offers for me if I take that step forward. Because blessedness in God is offered at every step of this journey. Joy with God is offered. We just need to accept it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.